Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning. I think we're on. At least it looks like we're on here. I've got a red light. We on? I'm on. Okay. Good morning. Settle down. (laughs) Once again, it's good to be here with you guys. Grateful uh, for our time together. Uh, We're going to pause. We're going to pray. We want to keep Randy up in prayer. He is not feeling well. Um, So we want to pray for him, Um, Brian stepping in last minute. Um, Also want to mention my mother-in-law who has been going through some ailments. It's not on the uh, prayer email, but if we can pray for Rosemary as well as she's going to the doctor to deal with some issues that she's having. Um, They found a cyst on her pancreas and it doesn't look like it's uh, cancerous in that it's not uh, malignant, um, but they've got to do some more tests, so we want to pray just that the doctors find out how to treat her and that she do she gets better. Anyway, let's pause and let's pray. Father, we do pray for Randy, for Rosemary, and for others who are just ailing, Lord. We pray for strength and help, for those who are finding themselves in in times of difficulty and weakness. And Lord, may our community gather around those who are in need. And we ask that even this time that we have here together would be helpful for us to connect to you, to connect to one another, and to allow your grace and mercy to flow in and through us. We do ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's just not fair when people have such good voices and sayings. Some of us try so hard but still don't sound that good. Again, good morning. Uh, As we begin, once again, want to say how grateful we are to everyone who is here, everybody who listens, everybody who supports us online with your giving, and encourage you guys to, if you do listen, to connect with us somehow or even subscribe, whether it be on YouTube or uh, through the podcast. If you leave a, a good message, you know, a review, don't leave a bad review. If you don't like us, um, just don't say anything. 
Um, but if you do like us, um, let us know, you know, those ratings. Um, you can let, let me know if you don't like what I say. I surely want to hear those things. But um, those reviews and those subscriptions help us to become, I guess, more easily able to find. And so we encourage you to do those things. Uh, so if you like what we're sharing and you want to see more people hear it, then subscribe, leave a review, or even share it with someone. If there's something um, that is done or shared here that you think, oh, it'd be great if so-and-so heard this, um, share those things and help continue that conversation and our conversation together. Um, Last week, I thought it was going to be the last in our series of a faith worth wearing. But after our time in our discussion yesterday, I felt like, and some things that happened, I felt like there was one more in me, right, that I wanted to share. And so some of your conversations helped sponsor this message, okay? I shared um, last week that I was going to be going to a Laker game, right? And so I was talking with Brian because I went with Brian and Alex and uh, one of my clients gave me tickets and so I invited them to go. And as I was talking to Brian, I said, well, I'm going to pick up the tickets. And Brian said, there's actually tickets? And you see, when I thought of tickets, this is what I thought of. Show that first picture, Rick. I thought of how I used to get tickets, right? And that's because... There it is. That, that was a ticket, right? And I was thinking, I'm going to go pick up a ticket to a Laker game. Now, this was probably when they stopped making tickets back in 1983 or 84. It was a long time ago. And notice the price. This ticket was $33. And they were selling this ticket for $38. So there wasn't, this isn't an investment, right? Um, it's probably because the Lakers lost that game in that championship, and so it's not worth much to any Laker fan. But that's what I'm thinking. And then Brian goes, what, they have tickets, physical tickets? And I thought, well, maybe not. And sure enough, there are no tickets. I just gave the guy my email, and he transferred his tickets through Ticketmaster to me, and I was able to download, well, I needed to download the app, and then I was able to get my tickets, and you can show the second picture, and it looked like this, and it was on my phone, right? So that I had the seats, and it was on my phone. That's what I did. I showed the tickets on my phone. I was able to download. I didn't have to drive to Rancho. I'm all planning my day. I'm going to drive to Rancho. I'm going to pick up the tickets. Then I'm going to go over to your house, and we're going to drive to the game. But none of that had to happen because... Our progress in data development has changed the way we transfer the information and get tickets. Our technology development has not only had an effect on how we buy or exchange tickets, but in how we view and understand even history. Right? All these things have evolved and developed. Did you guys know that Napoleon Bonaparte was actually taller than the average person in France? Did not know that. Go ahead and show that picture. Napoleon Bonaparte 
was approximately five feet seven inches tall. The reason he was thought to be so short was because all the cartoons of the British portrayed him as short. And when he died and they measured him, they did it with the French measurements that was five foot two, but it was different than the British standard. And when they did the difference, he turns out to be taller than the most people at that time. That information changed how we understood, but most of us still think Napoleon was a short dude. He had Napoleon syndrome, right? I can't use that any longer, right? Well, maybe I can. I'm actually 5'6", and he was 5'6", five, 5'7", five, so I would have been pretty, pretty, oh, pretty tall back in France at that time. But because of that change, and because of the, the information that dominated the media at that time, the media being the cartoons that were passed around, that idea of Napoleon being short became the dominant narrative. And so that's what people held on to. Another example is just how knowledge and our perception of things evolves our ability to understand. The universe has changed over the past century because about 100 years ago, the universe was viewed as unchanging and eternal. And now we understand that our universe is constantly expanding, They estimated in 1919 that the universe was about 300,000 light years to the end. Now, it's 94 billion light years they imagine the universe is. That's like 31 million times bigger. I mean, we're talking in 100 years, this idea of the universe has grown exponentially so that it's just almost ridiculous how small we used to think the universe was and how big it is. And when your understanding of life, experience, of history and information changes, then your communication about these things also change, right? You have more information, you have more words, you have different language, and that information is going to affect how the communication takes place. And what happens when our information, our understanding about God, Jesus, or the scripture changes because of archaeology, because of science, because of linguistic learning, or even because of our experience? How does it affect our faith? How does it affect our beliefs? An example is there is a Greek word, theopneustos, and in 2 Timothy 316, Paul says, all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. How you interpret that word, theopneustos, because it can be interpreted as inspired or it literally means God breathed, determines what Paul thought of scripture at that time. The only problem is that word, This is the first time that it is ever used in Greek. Paul made up a word. Like words get made up. Did you know robot was a made up word? Someone had to think of what to do with this kind of thinking or serendipity, right? Those are words that someone made up that we then adopted. This was a word that Paul made up, God breathed. And how it's interpreted 
has to be determined based on what we see at that time. And so where people want to take this word and say that it means infallible, right? Because if God breathes it, that's it. But we start to see it showing up in other places near the time of Paul's writing where it was used in relationship to these other people. And kind of it's like I'm inspired, right, by Randy's guitar playing, by Brian's voice. I'm inspired by people's ability to do different things. It means more like that which affects now our understanding to some degree of maybe what they thought it was or how it was used. And so this information shapes what we do, what we, what we think, and how we understand the things that happen. And I think we need to be open to the understanding of that, even in our ideas and communication regarding what we're calling evangelism or a faith worth wearing that time has changed and what we do and understand will affect how we communicate. When we went to the Laker game, I met Brian and Alex at their house and they drove down there and I had tickets to get us in, but Brian had connections to get us upgraded, right? So we got to go into this little VIP place. It wasn't one of the big box booths, but it was a VI place. And it's like a small little bar area. And then we had a counter with some stools that we were sitting in. And then there was a row of seats with some tables below us. And the game was right out there. And it was great seats because you can order food and you had to order a bottle of alcohol to be able to be there. And so we got some uh, whiskey, some rye whiskey, because that's our drink. The people who eventually came in front of us, they got a bottle of Don Perignon, which is expensive. There's a picture. It glows in the dark. I'd never seen one before. It was about $600 for that bottle, right? So we didn't get that, but we got the whiskey, and that's okay because that's what we drank. And so here we are at this game, and as... The game is going on, the, the people in front of us, there's about seven people in front of us. One of the guys, I think he was a little lit already, he was already a little tipsy, he came in, but he was even more so about halftime. And I remember him standing up, and I wasn't sure what was going on, but he didn't look well. And I'm thinking, he's either going to hurl or throw blows. I don't know what's going on. And so he's standing up, and it just kind of a commotion starts to evolve around him. And one of the big guys comes up, who's kind of like the bouncer for that area. And he's standing like, we got a problem here. And I'm just watching this all take place here. And as this is taking place, one of the ladies who's kind of in the middle of this group, she stands up and she goes, hell no. I'm not going to do this. And she walks out and she comes and stands back and she's standing now by me, right? Because she's like, I'm not going to be a part of this, right? And so this is still going on and and she's standing right next to me and she's like, nope, ain't going to do this, you know? And I say, well, that's a smart move, you know? And so she goes, oh yeah, you know, I, I bartend in the area. I live in LA. I know how to hound myself and I know when I need to get out of trouble and I'm going to get out of this situation. And so starts talking to me and we start having this conversation and I, I'm finding out, okay, yeah, you work and live in this area. Great. You have family in this area. Yeah, I have family, you know, in this area. Um, 
I, I've been here for a long time. You know, I have a dog now. I go, huh, I'm a dog trainer, of course, you know. Huh. I'm telling you guys, if you want to have a meaningful conversation, let people know you're a dog trainer. Now, the conversation always goes. If I said, well, I'm a pastor, it would have ended right there. It would have, that would have been the end of the conversation. And so we're talking about her dog and some things that the dog's going on, and we're talking about the family. And then she says, yeah, my dad used to be a music producer. He died about 15 years ago when I was 14. And she said it was devastating. And, and she had been drinking. It was obvious. She's very vocal, very happy, and very demonstrative sometimes. But she started telling me these things about her family and her dad, and how it was devastating to her and how she wanted to kill herself when she was just a teenager. What do you do with that information? What happens when when someone starts to open up their life and give you details that are monumental? And I thought back in the book of Acts, one of my favorite parts in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 17, where Paul goes to Athens, and it says in verse 16, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was troubled within him when he saw that the city was full of idols. He was troubled, deeply distressed, And that word troubled, it's like sharpening a knife on a stone. It's like a grinding. It's something that's irritating. Imagine fingers on a chalkboard kind of a thing where it affects you viscerally. And when she started telling me this information, I felt moved. I felt troubled. I felt like I I had to do something. I had to say something. I, I wanted to communicate to her something that I felt would give her hope. And so I said something like, I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm so glad you chose to be here. And I'm so sorry you lost your dad. But I'm sure your dad would love to see you here and would be proud of that choice that you made. And she was touched and the conversation went on. I can't give you, we talked for the whole second half of the game. I know the Lakers won. Every now and then I'd look and say, okay, what's going on? But at some point, In our conversation, she said, you know what? My dad would like you. I think you and my dad would have been friends. And I just said, I'm so touched that someone so important to you, I could be a part of that conversation. It was just very touched. And the conversation that I had with her was wanting her to see her value and her worth. And as Paul was deeply troubled in Athens and moves on, he 
goes to the synagogues where he was in verse 17. He reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and those who worshiped God and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Then also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers argued with him. Some said, what is this pseudo-intellectual trying to say? Others replied, he seems to be a preacher of foreign deities because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. What is the good news about Jesus? What is it that is good news about Jesus? What, what does that look like? And later we're going to see how it kind of unfolds. But I would push and argue and believe that the good news about Jesus is what Jesus said and what Jesus did. In Matthew 4, Jesus said to repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. It's at hand. It's, it's within your grasp that the kingdom of God is able to be taken hold of by you, which is actually what John the Baptist also said earlier. And so I believe the good news about Jesus is that God is present, God is here, and that is what I wanted to convey to her. That he is here, he is available for you. Now, there is an understanding by many that the good news or the gospel is not that but it, it's more that we are separated from God and cannot get to God unless we accept the sacrifice of Jesus. And maybe you've heard of this kind of thing. I, I call it sometimes napkin theology, right? And Rick, you can put up that picture five. It's this theology that says that there is a gulf between us and God. And to get to God, we have to go by the way of cross. Otherwise, we die and are separated from God. And this is called penal substitution atonement, PSA for short. So I don't have to keep saying that. And it was developed during the Reformation around 1797 to 1878. We don't see this ideology in writing really before this time. So think about it. We're talking about something that is being described about how to communicate faith or what gospel is 17, almost 1800 years after Jesus is when it shows up and it begins to kind of unveil. And I spoke about this in more length last Good Friday. And so if you want to have more information on that, you can go to the Good Friday. Maybe they can put it in the show notes, whatever those are, right? <laughs> and refer to that where I talked about there's different views on, on what the death of Christ means, but one of them is like what John says in First John where he says, because... We've come to know what love is because he loved us and gave himself for us, so we are to give ourselves for one another. And see, it's different to give yourself for than it is to give yourself instead of. So Jesus didn't give himself instead of us. He gave himself for us, and, and there's something different that's taking place. What happens when you're in a conversation and napkin theology doesn't relate to the conversation that you're having. 
Besides, the napkins were black. I couldn't write anything on them, right? There was no way it would show up. What do you do when this theology doesn't resonate with the conversation that you're having? Is it that I have to move the conversation to fit the theology that I'm trying to represent? Or even like we said last week, God is showing up in a conversation at a place that you would normally not think of. And, and guys, I'm, I want to be as transparent as possible here. And, and I even after the situation that happened and talking with Brian and talking to my wife and just like, how do I explain what was going on, right? How do I explain what was happening here? I'm at a bar at a Laker game talking to a lady who's drank quite a bit I'm not going to lie, I drank quite a bit too because I wasn't driving home. And I am moved to have a conversation with this person who starts opening up and telling me about her life and the things that she's gone to for whatever reason. And the conversation comes to a place where I start to tell her that she matters and that she is loved, that her dad would be proud of her, that I'm glad she's here, that she is loved by God and, and that she matters and she has value here at this point. It's important for me because this is my life. This is, to me, the message of Jesus. And the reason my mind went to have this conversation is because of how important Jesus is to me and how important I think people are to Jesus. Paul goes on in verse 22, stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, men of Athens, I see you are extremely religious in every aspect. For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to the unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in the shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needeth anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and boundaries and where they live. He did this so they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. So Paul takes this opportunity to try to help them see that where they are at the time that they are and where they've come from is significant because right now he is having a conversation with them that they need to hear. 
And what I find interesting about Paul's dialogue here isn't just what he says, but what he doesn't say. He does not quote the Hebrew scriptures anywhere in this passage. In fact, we never see Paul telling the Gentiles that they should study the Hebrew scriptures. Why? Because it's not their book. It's not their understanding. We don't see Paul in this dialogue telling the people that Jesus died for their sins. Why? I don't know. He didn't feel it was necessary at this point in time in this conversation. I'm not saying he doesn't say it at other times, but here at this time, it's not what he goes to. Instead, he tells them that They are here with these boundaries and they are appointed at this time that they might reach out and find God for in him you live and move and have your own being. He quotes their poets, their philosophers, their books to help them see that God can be theirs. In my conversation with this young lady, it got pretty emotional Her eyes welled up with tears as we were talking. And at the end of the game, and Brian was interjecting too, and and Alex introduced herself. And at the end of the game, we were saying goodbye, and some music started playing, and she said, oh my gosh, my dad produced this song. It was a Tupac song. I don't know what Tupac song it was, because I don't know Tupac song. But it was a Tupac song, She said, my dad produced the song. And Alex says, oh, no, really? And she opens up her sweater, and she's got a shirt with Tupac on it. And this girl just loses it. And I just kind of take her by the shoulders, and I said, what are the odds that you would be here, that we would be here, that we would have this talk about your dad, about you, that this song would play, that she'd be wearing this shirt You need to understand that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved by God. And we all give her a hug and and say goodbye. I doubt I'll ever see her again. I didn't get her phone number or anything like that. That would have been strange. But even what Paul says here, right, that... He's made every nationality to live over their whole earth, has determined their appointed times and boundaries where they live. He did this so they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from any of us. You see, I I believe the gospel is the kingdom is here and God is reaching for us. And it shows up at places like a Laker game at the bar area with people who are strangers who have a conversation that goes from get me out of here, to dogs, to family, to father, to suicide, to you are loved by God, to look how much God is trying to show you that he's there through a Tupac shirt. And if you think that's crazy, Paul's quoting philosophers from the Greeks and not the Bible. Maybe it's not so crazy. Maybe the good news of Jesus is that God is so near that he can be touched where you are. And maybe this conversation about Jesus 
doesn't have to include the napkin theology and, and the way things were, the way we think things should be. Maybe it can start where they are because that's where God already is. Places you wouldn't expect. God is already there having that conversation. What should the words be? Depends on the conversation. See, to the Hebrews, he had a different conversation. He used their scriptures to try and help them see Jesus was their Messiah. To the Greeks, he used their words to try and help them to see that they were where they needed to be so God could have this conversation with them. And he mentioned the resurrection, and they, ah, you know, they said, ah, this guy. But they would hear him again. And some believed. And the names of the people who believed in verse 33. Then Paul left their presence, or verse 34. How, however, some men joined him in believing, and believed, including Dionysus and Areopagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with him. These are Greek names, and I think one of the names, don't ask me which one, means a drunken woman. conversations are around us. The bushes are burning. I think what needs to happen more than what we're to say is that we need to be troubled in our heart for where people are at without hope, hurting. That's people in the church as well as outside the church. Because that's what gives us the ability to hear. That's what gives us the ability to see and step into the conversations. That's what gives us the opportunities that we've been talking about. I had to say something. And the conversation took it to where we could. Now, I thought, well, could have said this. I could have said that. There's a lot of things I could have said. But at the moment, these are the things I did say. These are the things that came to mind. These are the things that transpired as the night went on. And later, Paul would tell the Corinthian church, one man plants and another waters, and God gives the increase. This isn't the last conversation God is going to have with this young lady. I didn't have to seal the deal. I didn't have to end the sale. I just wanted to be part of that conversation and help her to see that God is having a conversation with her. And it was powerful for me. I was pretty shook up. Thinking, what do I do with this? I just talked about this this morning. I didn't expect, I wanted to watch a Laker game. I ended up missing half the game and was happy to. And so I know my answers don't usually answer things, but I hope they lean us in a direction of what gospel looks like or can look like. It's by all means not this only, but I think this is part of it. And I think this conversation that Paul has with them is the good news of Jesus that God is near even though he doesn't mention Jesus by name. He talks about Jesus. 
in the way that he talks about God. And later on, if the conversation continued, it could have evolved more. Because I believe Jesus is the clearest picture we can see of God. And that's what I want people to do, is see that truth. And hopefully in doing that, they encounter the God who is ready to encounter them. Let's pray. Father, I pray that my heart be stirred when I am with people to see the needs that are there and open my eyes to the right opportunities and not try and push into every opportunity. May we discern where you are working in the lives of the people we communicate with. May we say the things that can help make the conversations grow and go deeper. May we invite people to be open and honest in themselves with our communication, with our presence. May they see that they are valued by how we value them. For as you've loved us and gave yourself for us, we are to love one another and give ourselves for one another. Whether it be with our time, whether it be with our energy, whether it be with the means that we have to help. By this, people will know that you are present, that you are real. As no one can see God, but when we love one another, you are seen. I do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I look forward to our conversation here again. May your gospel be as big as the universe. May your understanding of God grow in your ability to communicate good news to everyone who you encounter. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us. Have a great week. You have been listening to the Genesis podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.